Last Sunday, I began this series of sermons on the I Am's, the I Am's out of the book of John. And today, uh, well, last Sunday, I talked to you about Jesus said that I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Today, in John chapter 12, excuse me, John chapter 8 and verse 12, then Jesus spoke again to the people and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus said, I am, I am the light of the world. Father, again, we come to you this morning. We thank you for this time that we have to be able to gather together. We thank you, Lord, for your word today, Father, that speaks to our hearts in such a real way. I pray, Father, that you would anoint this, your servant afresh and anew this morning. I, I pray that you would give us listening ears to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit as he speaks to our hearts. And I pray that when all has been said and done, that the name of Jesus will be glorified. For we ask these things in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. I heard a story about a man, a blind man, who was in, sitting on a street in New York City. And as people were passing by, one guy stopped and he noticed that the blind man had a lantern right next to him. And the gentleman scratched his chin and thought, what would a blind man need with a lantern sitting next to him? And so he went up to the blind man. He goes, sir, he said, I notice you have a lantern next to you, but you're blind. What do you need a lantern for? And he said, I have this lantern so that when people walk past, they'll see me and not fall. Think about that. You know, have you ever thought about how important light is to us today? I mean, think about it. I mean, the blind man had the lantern there, so when it got dark, people would see him and not fall or trip over him and hurt him. How many of you, how many, and, this, and I know uh, we were in the same boat, but how many do you remember your, your children as they were growing up when it came time for bed and they, didn't want, they wanted a nightlight in their bedroom? Why? Because the darkness frightened them from time to time. And I remember, I remember Christopher, he would, he would be that way. It's like he wanted a nightlight right next to his bed. <laughs> he wanted a nightlight down the hallway leading to the, to the bathroom. And one in the bathroom. And one in the bathroom, Brenda says. Light, light is so important to us. You know, when we think about, when we think about that, it's, it's like our very existence in this world depends on light. Without light, you know, you can, you can plant your crops, you can plant whatever, but without light, without the sun coming down on them, it won't grow. I don't know how many have ever, have any have been to Alaska? I haven't been to Alaska. Uh, uh, but, you know, there's, there's a certain time of the year that they have like 
three months, 70 or 80 days of nothing but light. But they also have the same amount as darkness. That it never, it never gets light. It could be three o'clock in the afternoon when you think the sun is really beating, and it's not there. Light is, is so important to us today because without that light, we really can't exist. No, we can go back into Genesis, the first chapter. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And what did he do? He separated the day from the night, the light from the darkness. And, and light is it's so important. And, and to be honest with you folks, the whole theme of this sermon today is that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Did you know that there's a, there's a, a depression that happens with people when they don't get enough sun? And when we pastored in, in Arizona, we had a, a couple that moved and, and started attending our church. And they lived in Buffalo, New York, where you get about 60 or 70 days of sunshine. And especially in the wintertime. In the wintertime, it's just constantly overcast. You don't see the sun. And, and, and he, had, he went into this depression, and, and the doctor said, you need to move someplace where you can get lots of sun. So he moved to Arizona where we were pastoring in Apache Junction. Light is important to us. It's, it's something that, that we really can't live without. We need that sun. And, and when we go back into this passage in John 8, 12, he was, Jesus was in Jerusalem, and he was in the treasury building, uh, or the temple treasury. And the temple treasury wasn't just a building, but it was a place where people would drop off their offerings. Now, around this, around this temple, and it, there were 13 horns, 13 horns where people could place their offerings. Now, like when we come into church on Sunday mornings, uh, we have a box sitting back in the foyer that you just, you just drop your tithes or your money or whatever into that box. Can you imagine having 13 of those all around? The, 13 of them where people could drop their money in. But they also had lights. They had torches that lit where they would come in. And these torches served as a symbol of God's presence. Do you know why, do you know why we light these candles? Uh, this one here is trying to be a little obnoxious, but you know why we light these candles? It's to remind us of the presence of God, that God is light. That Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Everything about it reminded the people, the children of Israel, when they walked in, when they saw the light, and they would light, and it would light up that whole section of Jerusalem. People could see it from all around Jerusalem. And here was Jesus after the feast was over with the feast of shelters was over with and they were snuffing out all the lights and Jesus declared that he was the light of the world 
Now, I don't know about you, but I think Jesus is trying to make a point here. He's trying to make a point that the light of the torches, the light of these candles represent God and his presence. And now Jesus was saying to the people that he was the light. He was God's presence. Jesus was telling that people that he was there and he represented, he not only represented, but he was God incarnate, that he was man, but he was also God. I came across this passage in Psalm 18, 28, and it says this, O you, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. So, have you got your singing voices up and good? You know, Holly did a great job, so we're going to sing a children's song today. All right? How many of you know the song, Give Me Oil in My Lamp? Okay, so those who know it best be singing out loud, okay? All right, so uh, the words are, the words are on me. So we're going to sing, Give Me Oil in My Lamp, all right? So you're going to have to sing it at my where I sing, okay? Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning, burning, burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning, burning, burning. Keep me burning till the end of day. Sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna to the King of Kings. Sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna to the King of Kings. Isn't that awesome? Give me oil in my lamp keep me burning jesus said i am the light of the world i am the light of the world and we should be saying lord keep us burning keep us burning did you know that today that we live in darkness not literally but darkness in the bible is an analogy for evil and sin it's not a coincidence that most crimes that take place, take place when? In the dark, at night, where you can't be seen. In the darkness. And our world today is shrouded in spiritual darkness. And where there's spiritual darkness, evil and sin will flourish. When I was a kid, and maybe you were, when I was a kid, I grew up in East Central Indiana, uh, I lived in a, a the town like Bowman was the big city for us. Uh, I grew up in a little town of about 400, 450 people. I mean, if you got in trouble on one side of town before you got home, mom already knew it. You know, telephone, party lines, you know that kind of thing. But when I was a kid, uh, we we lived on a, we lived on a big hill. As a matter of fact, uh, it was called Sherwood Hill because we lived there and it was our hill. And, and in the wintertime, uh, kids from all over town would come to our hill and, and would slide down. 
take our toboggans, our sleds, and, and slide down the hill. Well, in the, in the spring and summertime, uh, we would play hide-and-seek. Now, we've all played hide-and-seek at one time or other, and probably our children have too. And so we would try to play hide-and-seek like as it's getting later in the evening after supper, you know, when it's still daylight. And, and we, would, we would take and play hide-and-seek. Now, when you're playing hide-and-seek in the daytime, it's kind of hard to hide, isn't it? I mean, you can hide behind a tree, and, but you can still be found. But once it starts getting dark, and my brothers and I, because uh, remember, I'm the oldest of seven, and the first four of us were boys. And, and so we would make sure that we didn't have white clothes on, but we had dark clothes on, because once it got dark, we could hide, and whoever was seeking us could walk right past us and not even see us. And it was kind of cool because we could get back to whatever base was and, and not be it. Until we would hear all around town, George, it's dark, get home. You could hear it all through the town. I mean, the town wasn't very big. And all of a sudden, you'd hear moms and dads yelling for their children to come home. Why? Because it was dark. And they were, they were concerned for their children's safety because it was dark. And even in a small town that I grew up in, of 450 people, there were still people in our town that would try to hurt children and hurt people. And we knew that when dad and mom started calling that we needed to get into the house where it was safe. Folks, even in our own community here, darkness exists. It exists in our country. It exists in our community. It exists in our schools. And if we are not careful, it can exist in us. Do you know what darkness is? Do you know what the definition of darkness is? I'm, I'm going to give you the I'm going to give you the shortened version. You can you can get on your phones right now and Google darkness, and it'll probably give you about 1,200 different description of what darkness is. But I'm going to give you this description: darkness is the absence of light. Darkness is the absence of light. So, if we think of it in that way. Spiritual darkness, evil, is the absence of God. Is the absence of holiness. Is the absence of purity. Remember, remember our theme today is Jesus is the light of the world. One day in a university setting, a a professor challenged his students with this question. The question was, did God create everything that exists? And the student, without thinking, yelled out, yes, he did. And the professor answered, okay, so if God created everything, as you say, then God created evil. And since evil exists, and according to the principle that our works define who we are, 
then we can assume that God is evil. Caught the student completely out of sorts. I mean, he, he, didn't, know, he didn't know how to answer. And, and the professor went on to say, this is just another thing that the Christians call, and I call that nothing but a myth. Christianity is nothing but a myth. And about that time, a student in the back raised his hand. The professor said, yes, you have a, you have a question. And the student said, yes, professor, let me ask you this question. Does cold exist? Does cold exist? And the professor answered quite boldly by saying, yes, of course it exists. And the student refuted the professor's claim and said that according to the law of physics, what we consider cold is in reality the absence of heat. Cold does not exist. We've created this word to describe how we feel if we have no heat. The student then asked the professor a couple more questions about whether things existed or not. And finally, he asked the professor this last question. Does evil exist? Does evil exist? And the professor, now he's kind of a little weary now because he's been showed up, responded with a yes. He said, we see it every day. It's in, the day, it's in our daily examples of man's inhumanity to man. The multitude of crime and violence in our world. These manifestations, he said, are nothing but evil. And the student replied that evil does not exist, or at least it does not exist unto itself. Evil is simply the absence of God. It's just like darkness. The absence of light. It's just like cold. The absence of heat. A word that man has crea created to describe the absence of God. And he went on to say these words. God did not create evil. Evil is the result of what happens when man does not have God's love present in his heart. It's like the code that comes when there's no heat and the darkness that comes when there's no light. And the professor dismissed class. Just to let you know, the student's name was Albert Einstein. Without God's presence in our life, we are in the dark. Why, why do we see people in our community increasingly caught up in alcohol and abuse and drugs and moral sin? Why, why do we hurt people? Why do we make poor choices in our life? Is it because we're evil? No, it's because we lack God's presence and God's light fully within us. I want to remind you that, again, that our main theme today was I am the light of the world. Jesus is that light. 
But there's a sub-theme here that I want you to see, and it's found in Matthew 5, 14 and 15. Matthew 5, 14 and 15, and this is what Jesus said, you and I are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. I got to thinking about, about that, that you and I are the light of the world. And, and to some people, they may think that, well, you know, that's a contradiction. Jesus said that he was the light of the world, and now Jesus is saying that you're the light of the world. Let me explain. On Christmas Eve, when we come together for our Christmas Eve services, one of the, one of the most poignant things that I love about Christmas Eve is the lighting of the candles. And if you remember, we usually have our candle opera right here, and I will come with my candle, and what do I do? I reach up and light my candle from what? The Christ candle. And my candle is lit. And then I walk to Brenda, and I light her candle. And then we walk down this aisle, whoever's sitting on the end, and we light your candle, and you light the candle next to the person next to you to the end of the pew all the way down. You see what I'm saying? That Jesus is the light of the world, but you and I are that same light. We're the ones that takes the light out. We're the ones that's holding that candle. We are. Jesus was right. He is the light of the world, but he also said that you and I are the light of the world as well. You can't take and hide a candle under a bushel. Remember that old children's song? We are the light to this world. And wherever you're at, and the people, listen folks, you are going to meet people and you're going to see people and and that I probably will never see, maybe never have an opportunity to talk to. But you're the light to those people. You're the light to your neighbors. You know, I, I think about Nick and inviting uh, Frank and Jan, and here they are with us today. Nick, be in the light, amen? Be in the light. And that's what we're supposed to do. I don't know how many of you have ever read Robert Louis Stevenson, uh, author. Uh, some of his stories are a little spooky, if you want to call it that. But some of you may not realize that Robert Louis Stevenson grew up in Scotland, Edinburgh, Scotland, to be exact. And, and in those days back in the 1800s that they didn't have, they, they had pole lamps like we do but they they just didn't come on and and the city had to had to hire lamp lighters and so when it was starting when dusk was starting to fall the lamp lighters would go and, and they would have their their uh, candle lit and they would climb up on a ladder and they would light the candles and one evening Robert Louis Stevenson was 
watching the lamplighters as they went down the street, and he noticed that it was light here, but down the street it was dark, and all of a sudden it started getting lighter and lighter and lighter. And he looked up at his dad, and he said, Dad, it looks like we're punching holes in the darkness. And I'm here to tell you, folks, that's what we need to be doing, is punching holes in the darkness. Brenda and I, we pastored in northeast Alabama, and uh, we were going through a difficult time with the church, and uh, there, was, uh, there was some um, spiritual warfare going. There were some demonic things that was happening uh, around our community, and uh, we... I had a professor by the name of Dr. Floyd McCallum, who's gone on to be with the Lord now, but was just such an amazing, an amazing saint who believed in the power of prayer, who believed that when you called on the name of Jesus, that he would hear and answer prayer and he would deliver. And I remember calling him and, and telling him, and I said, Floyd, I said, you know, we're, there's some, there's a darkness, there's a darkness around us. We, we just need some, we need, we need you, and, and he was part of a prayer group, and he, I said, we need you and your prayer group to be praying for us during this time. It's so important. And I remember a couple days later, he called me, and he goes, Ray, he said, as we were praying, the Holy Spirit revealed to us where you're at. We could see in our mind's eye where you were at, and there was nothing, nothing but darkness all around except there was one point of light right in the middle. And he said the Holy Spirit revealed to us that it was you and Brenda and the people that were praying with you. Listen, folks, we need to be punching holes in the darkness. Why? Because Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then he took it to a next step and he said, you, all of us here, those who are watching online, we are the light of the world as well. Folks, let's start punching holes in the darkness for Jesus. Father, we come to you again this morning. We thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, that you are the light of the world. But we also know that, that you told us that we are the light of the world too, that we need to go out in the, the highways and the hedges and tell the story of Jesus, that he saves to the uttermost, that no one is so far removed from God that he can't reach down and pick them up out of the miry clay and set them on the solid rock to stay. Oh, Father, I pray this morning that you would just touch our hearts. And, Father, as we prepare for communion in just a few moments, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to look at ourselves. I pray, God, that you would give us a greater desire to go out and punch holes in the darkness. I pray, Father, that you would help us to be Men and women with a holy boldness that will reach out and tell people about Jesus. I pray, God, that you would use us. May we be the men and women that you have called us to be. 
to be Christ-like and to share Jesus with those who are around us. Father, I pray that you would just bless this time as we prepare for communion. I pray, God, that you would look at our hearts. Your word tells us to, to check and to ask and make sure that everything is good between us and you. Father, we love you today. We thank you for this time. For we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.